This was Wonderful Life by the German and especially Berlin big band Seed. I'd like to welcome you to the second hour of uh, Student Radio Maastricht. My name is Janis. I will hosting this uh, next hour. We have uh, some guests in the studio. I will um, introduce after the next song. Our topic will be environmental activism, uh, which I will look really forward. It will be really interesting discussions we have today. And yeah, let's listen to our first song. Long summer, long summer, long summer, long summer. 
Chips got the shit spoiled. Yeah. They got that heat on their hip yeah. yeah. And they can't wait to let it rip off. Yeah, okay. I ain't trying to die on this beautiful day. I couldn't stand the thought of not seeing your beautiful face. So I'ma run like I've been running the streets, right? I mean, run like I just missed the street light. I go fly like I'm trying out for track. Cause they beat a nigga blue just for loving that he black. My advice is run like Obama, for they catch you like Osama. Better run like a nose, for they catch you like a Cody. Got that heat on his rip, yeah. He evil, so he might just let it rip, yeah. And I know I don't owe nobody shit, yeah. So why the fuck the coppers on my dick, yeah. He clear, be alone, gone. Summer. Tomorrow's never promises, sometimes I really wonder When they tell me keep it peace, do that mean click clack I know we're looking forward, but I gotta watch my back Summer and a heat wave. For most people in the north, this might sound attractive, but for a lot of people in the global south, this had been threatening in the recent decades. In the next hour, we want to talk about environmental protection, and uh, I already see a lot of places um, like, ah, oh, I don't want to talk about this anymore, I can't hear it anymore. However, today we will talk about how people can be become active and uh, do something by themselves, and that's why I want to introduce my guests in the studio today we have two we have three guests uh, here um red yes hello to us hello <laughs> hello um with ben hello hello and kato hello you might say something about this name thing why you um well some of us have been involved in the action and we cannot identify ourselves yeah. for legal reasons so that's that's it yeah yeah action names cool cool Yeah, let's start. Um, I want just to know how you guys get into this uh, thing. How wh What motivated you to um, start become activists? Maybe Ben, you start. Uh, well, oh, I could tell you a myriad of stories. Um, 
I started with like quite easy stuff, uh, just going to a strike um, for Fridays for Future. Uh, when my in my town, uh, it was quite regular, so you could talk to uh, you could talk to climate activists like all day, once every once every week, um, and that was really that was a really good sort of stepping board um, to get into contact with other people. Was there any specific motivation, any happening that, that came like across um, that motivates you? Uh, well, I would say actually like my motivation is more to do with the sort of like the justice aspect of it um, since there's a lot of uh, injustices to do with like not just this with Global North and Global South but um, also like like it's so intersectional you can talk about like how uh women in even in like richer countries like austria are affected differently to men um because all of a sudden the crop is harder and now they have to like deal with their men's abuse or whatever um and like i guess my aspect of it was sort of the economic uh take on it because i'm a well i'm a white and associated guy so um That's what I learned most. Yeah, we will come across these reasons uh, again in the next hour, I think. Um, one of the reasons you guys are here, you have been pre previously attended a protest, especially Bulkade in the Sterrenbush. Does anyone want to tell us about more, more about this? Yeah, we um, occupied the Sterrenbush near uh, Sittard in Limburg. Uh, yeah, can you? Okay. Um, so we blockaded or occupied this since uh, the car factory Netcar um, wanted to make their factory bigger, expand it um, to be more attractive to a new client. And uh, to do that, they wanted to cut this 200-year-old forest. Um, and of course, we didn't thought that was a good idea. So that's why we, uh, after a year of other actions, uh, came to the last resort, which was occupying the forest. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. What 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 was uh, going on in the, in the forest? What what happened then? During the occupation. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think yeah. For, so just about twelve days ago, um, we started to occupy it. First, it started with a manifestation, uh, which was already uh, being blocked by police. They brought other cars from the uh, streets. So they could not do the manifestation, which was just illegal. Um, so that's how it started. And then the next morning, uh, a group of people entered the forest and around 30 people uh, were then in the trees. And there uh, the police could not stop us. And then, uh, yeah, it fluctuated how many people were there. So some people left because they needed to work or go to school and there were other new storms coming in um, and then in total we stayed there uh, 11 or 12 days until the police uh, evicted us because um, there was this court case and uh, well the other party withdrawed so um, because they got money offered uh, which is a sad part about it um, and that's why they just could cut it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well Yeah, Red, do you want to uh, add something about that? Um, yeah, I'm not really an activist, but I heard from a friend that the 
Steropos activists were in town, I knew a little bit about what they were doing and I heard that they needed support. So it's a group of us from Maastricht. Uh, we just did everything we can to to support them logistically and operationally and that also ended up in some of us also being involved in the direct act, uh, direct action so in the occupation yeah yeah we yeah, we might uh, tell the people that uh, the protest is already over unfortunately yes. yeah. Yes. yeah but yeah, how yesterday. long yesterday yeah yeah so how long um was the occupation how long yeah 11 or 12 days i'm not quite sure mm. yeah and then they got evicted yesterday Uh, one by one, uh, one guy would climb to the upper top, so it took a lot of hours. He started in the morning at six, and they uh, got him out in the evening at six. So, yeah, they had a bit of struggles with him, but eventually they also got the last guy out yesterday. And then already started cutting while he was still in the tree. So, yeah, yeah. it's probably gone in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock because we were not expecting. We had a good action at the weekend, and yeah. I think we were motivated to continue. And then all of a sudden, we found out that the um, the organization involved in the court case has settled. And then, it, yeah, the police directly started moving in to evict people, yeah. and they directly also started cutting the forest. So that's going on now. The deforestation. Okay, so the the whole occupation was directly connected to a court case. Yes. Very much so. Yeah, so the uh, Groene Sporenwolf is called. It's um, the nearest town. They have this organization um, that wants to uh, preserve nature. Um, so they had this court case uh, with the car factory. Um, but because they uh, went to talk with each other, they came to this compromise um, that they will get millions of euros um, to use for their surroundings uh, to Yeah, for, I think, sound uh, reduction from, from cars or other stuff. Um, that's the only thing I heard. Um, so that they would withdraw the the court case. And then there was uh, free space for them to cut. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, the, the ownership changed. And um, then they were allowed to cut the, cut the trees. Did the I ownership? Get it right? The ownership of the forest. Oh no, it's still from, well, the car factory uh, already bought the land. So the, the forest is from them already for some time. Um, but yeah, the Groene Sporenwolf, um, they put them into court because um, well, the normal cutting time is October and November. Uh, and so they uh, made it longer and uh, that was something that they could bring them for, uh, to court to. Um, and also some other reasons like uh, the bed Uh, the beds that are there are quite rare so that was also a reason there were a couple of reasons for the court case um, but yeah because of money they now withdraw it okay yeah let's let's talk about more about the organization of the protests like um, how, how, I think maybe people who, who not attend these protests have never attended these protests or never been there when you guys did it I don't know about how this works so Maybe uh, one of you can give us some, some insights. Ben, you want to? Um, how protests are organized in general? Yeah, you, we can start with the Sterrenbush. Yeah. I can start with Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, so this started with one uh, local person who lives near the Sterrenbush and uh, goes walk with, mm. her, uh, with their duck there. And then they reached out to uh, Climbers for Climate, which already occupied the forest before, so he knew that. 
and then they reached out to uh, Extinction Rebellion Maastricht, which I'm I'm a part of, and that was a bit less than a year ago. Uh, so then we were with about six people doing this, um, but then it came more and more to the cutting, um, and after a petition, after some demonstrations, after online actions, um, yeah, there was just no other option uh, than to mobilize. So then a lot of other organizations got involved as well, and uh, we grew to really a big group uh, of yeah more than hundred people. Also, like with a media team, with a logistic team, with a cooking team, because the people in the trees needed to get food every day, and of course mm-hmm. the media needed to get updated mm-hmm. daily. Uh, so it was a whole big organization all of a sudden. So it was really cool to see. Mm. Yeah, that, that's quite inter- interesting how you guys uh, organized there and uh, yeah, basically organize everything you have there. Yeah, from food uh, to yeah publicity as well. Yeah. Yeah, since we talked about a lot about uh, the the actual blockade, and you guys mentioned there have been people in the trees. So, like, could you get just more information on that? Maybe um, Ben, you like something specific? Like oh, how you get in the trees? What 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 do you guys do there? You know, uh, people maybe don't know. Um, well, since this area was blocked off uh, by security um, and by security fencing, or what construction fencing, I guess. Um, you have to do some kind of action uh, to really get that, um, get some people in. Uh, and that's kind of how a lot of what we did, which wasn't severely, uh, strictly like survival uh, related, um, like resources, that's how we got a lot of our stuff in. Uh, so like rope and um, like building material and stuff like this. Um, also, like people would smuggle, like in our lunch packs, people would smuggle little messages, little cards saying, "We love you," you, and that's really that's really nice to read every day. Also, um, and yeah, um, a lot of that's uh, a lot of that kind of smuggling action has to take place in these kind of um, high stakes situations. Uh, whereas it, with other occupations that haven't had a settled court case yet, or for one reason or another the company involved doesn't want to like set a bunch of resources aside to target that occupation for example where I'm from which is Lützerath in uh, Germany um, they um, it's much easier to get people and food and building material and all that stuff in um, because Why? like well partially because there's already a hundred people odd people living there um, and we have resources to like survive should the police suddenly sort of close us off um also big open fields you know the only way to sort of stop people from getting in is well having a policeman pretty much stationed all around the village 24 7 um whereas i guess the forest uh Sterobos is um much yeah, they more have private security yeah. so the police of course cannot stay there for uh, all the time yeah but yeah, because the car actually factory. it's a private f- a forest. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, and the car factory has a lot of money. Like, uh, the owner is a millionaire. I don't know how mm. you call it. A billionaire, you call it in English, maybe. Yeah. Um, so they just put a lot of security all around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've seen pictures of people in the trees, so they actually stayed there for, for days, I think, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, there are two that stayed from the beginning till the end. 
uh, <laughs> but then yeah of course people came and left um, but I also want to say yeah it sounds like like a hero thing but most of mm. them are climbers and they love doing this and there was almost no one leaving because it was hard for them they were mostly leaving because they had some yeah. um, like job or school or something um, so yeah the hero like it's not a hero story you can also train for this uh, yeah but I know there were also people from Maastricht who had no previous training and no activist experience and they did climbing training the day before and then they just decided to go for it and then they also climbed up the tree. Yeah. It was difficult for them to stay long because not mm. everyone got their equipment through that they needed. But there were also people that did that, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's also another thing. You, you guys do a lot of Skillshare uh, workshops, I heard. So... Yeah, you, you try also to, to get people involved, to encourage people to do this, or as you just mentioned. Yes. Um, yeah, we reached out on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. And, I mean, there, there was already quite a big group involved, but there were also a lot of other people who just heard about it and wanted to be involved and went to some of the, the info nights, went to the action training, mm. and yeah, they were directly involved, and some also in the trees as well. Yeah, mm. I also saw you have really good social media and uh, uh, publicity. So mm -hmm. the website was really good. So you could also all the news and stuff. You could get really good in touch and stay informed. That was interesting. Yeah, let's let's talk about uh, the police. You guys already mentioned it. Um, how was the connection with the police? How was uh, this going on? Was it uh, violent or? Yeah, well, with the eviction itself. They were quite aggressive. Uh, mm. We also got it on uh, on video, um, so you can also find it on Twitter. I think it is. Um, yeah, that was not so nice. But mostly during the occupation, it was mostly the security it was just very irritating, putting loud music, keeping people from sleeping, um, also uh, like grabbing people or a person that wanted to pee in the night they just waited uh, uh, like in the bushes yeah. to cut her uh, which is just not yeah they didn't need to do that you don't ambush a, people on the toilet sorry? you definitely don't ambush people on the toilet no. it's not cool no, it's ridiculous yeah, yeah they, do, they were just there to keep preventing people com from coming in and out they're not there to uh, annoy the people in the trees so basically do everything they could to yeah. get yeah. people. Yeah, You had also contact with the police? Or I, I know you have, have been there too. Uh, or not? Well, there were uh, police liaisons. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't one of them, <laughs> but we had contact with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah one of you mentioned that uh, there have been a lot of arrests the last days. Yeah, since one of you want to tell us more about that? Um, I heard 48, 45 arrests, something. Um, lots of those would not give up their identity, um, which is part of it for us, actually. Um, we don't want to feel like we're fighting bad systems and also get bad systems uh, repercussions on us. Um, But yeah, 45, 48 people who got arrested, that's it's quite a number, actually. Yeah, we already knew that also with the action. Uh, when you got in, we had also an action training. You know your rights. Uh, you know what will wait for you when you get arrested. Mm. Um, and we knew, okay, uh, if we try with 
a bigger group of people some will rest be rest but some will get in the trees and that was the goal hmm. okay let's listen to another song and then uh, we will hear a short documentation about Lützerath which uh, Ben you already mentioned and then we will talk about that so I'm looking forward to that Work out everything that not ba made by my hands from um, who's doing it actually Bonaparte. Um, yeah, next up we will talk or we hear a report from Lützerath. That's a village in Western Germany that uh, Ben already mentioned. 
um, they trying uh, to stop the expansion of a coal mine. So we will listen to that and talk about it afterwards. Let's go. Ist, dass wir kurz vorstellen, wo diese Aktionsform herkommt und was so die Geschichte dazu ist und wie sie entstanden ist. Und dann würden wir am zweiten. It is 2 p.m. on a Saturday in late January 2022. At the center of the protest camp in Lützerath, about 20 people are sitting in a circle. They listen to Frieda, who is leading a workshop. The temperature is around 5 degrees. Everybody is dressed up thickly. All around are wooden huts and tree houses hanging in their surrounding trees. Frida's workshop is named Gorilla Swing. This technique involves people hanging themselves in trees with a wooden swing about three meters up, making it more difficult for the police to evacuate. The benefit is everybody can do it. During this Skillshare weekend, several workshops are planned. Everybody is invited to educate themselves in different skills. But what is this all about and why do they need guerrilla swings? Lützerath. This is a small rural village next to the open cast mine Garzweiler, about 45 minutes drive northwest of Cologne in western Germany. Garzweiler is one of the largest mines in North Rhine-Westphalia next to Hambach mine. The part of Garzweiler mine currently in use covers almost 50 square kilometers with a maximum depth of over 200 meters. The mine is operated by the German energy company RWE and is being continuously expanded towards west. Lützerath is one of the last inhabited villages in the neighborhood to the edge of the demolition site. Since 2006, the inhabitants of Lützerath have been resettled and compensated. Of the former 19 residents, almost all have moved away. However, one farmer refused to leave his estate and is resisting his expropriation. My family has been living here for four generations. I lived for 15 years in a nearby village that was already demolished for the mine. Back then I came to an agreement with the mining company. This time, he says, he will not give up so easily on his farm. There was a time when coal was useful to supply industry with energy. But that time has passed and politicians need to find new solutions. 75-year-old Heukamp has become a hero among climate activists. He's fighting a lawsuit against RWE. The farmer doesn't understand why villages must be demolished and nature destroyed in order to mine coal. The situation is very similar to the battle between David and Goliath. Unlike in this story, however, courts will decide on Lützerath. Let's take a look back. When did the protest in Lützerath begin? I meet Taco. The 17-year-old is from the neighboring village of Kainberg, which has been recently spared from destruction by the new federal government. On the 20th of July 2020, demolition work began on a country road that many understood to be the limit of the mine, which shouldn't be crossed. A vigil was set up two days later by people from the region. Originally intended to last only few days, the vigil continues to this day. Farmer Eckhard Heukamp, whose property is right next to the road, supported the vigil from the beginning. Over time, environmental activists came from all over Germany 
and set up a camp. Most recently, the activists managed to occupy the second farm in Lützerath, which already belongs to RWE. This enabled the camp to be expanded by a large area and 55 rooms. The original reason for a vigil was to protect the villages and the environment. The goals of the activists in the protest camp reach far beyond that. They fundamentally demand an immediate stop to the use and mining of coal, not just in Germany. In that context, Lützerath is understood to be the symbolic 1.5 degree mark. 1.5 degrees, that is the value to which the Earth may at most heat up in the future years, according to the Paris Climate Agreement of 2016. Activists argue that if Lützerath would be demolished, the 1.5 degree target will be impossible to meet. Moreover, they consider coal as a part of a much wider and global problem. I meet Ronnie. As many here in the camp, she uses a fantasy name. This serves the security and anonymity of activists. Ronnie has lived in Lützerath for a couple of months now. Previously, she had been a part of another occupation at the nearby Hambach forest. Capitalism with its compulsion to grow led us into this crisis. To overcome this crisis, we must overcome its cause. We continue to burn coal in the global north, where people in the global south already bear the greatest burden. This condition is only possible because of the white supremacy and racism that prevails in our society. The activists stand in solidarity, especially with the global south. In other words, all countries south to the equator. Firstly, because indigenous people have been fighting against the industrial destruction of the nature for many decades. Secondly, it is these very people who are increasingly affected by the climate change due to its impacts such as severe droughts and floods than the countries of the global north. Therefore, the alliance Lützerath lives considers themselves as part of a global fight against the global economic system, which they consider responsible for causing environmental destruction and the climate change. Lützerath doesn't only stand as a small village in Germany alone, but is a symbol for all the villages all across the globe, which are being destroyed by fossil fuel companies. Lakshmi has been living in the camp for half a year. She views her activism as a matter of climate justice and emphasizes... Climate justice. This term comes actually from black communities fighting against pollution in their communities uh, as they're being forced always in states especially to live in really toxic environments. She previously studied medicine and decided to protest after her graduation. We are here in solidarity with the people in the Global South um, who have been leading this fight for climate justice since 500 years, since colonialism started. Just like her, many of the activists are well-educated young people who have chosen to stand up for what they believe in. Michael studies sustainability science in Sweden. He took the train to Lützerath a journey of almost 11 hours. I'm confronted with these issues like every day in my, in my daily life and my studies and like things can become quite theoretical and like you, you end up like reading about a lot, like reading papers. Michael believes 
that it is not enough to just deal with the environmental and climate protection in theory. Instead, he considers Lützerath as a good place to become active and apply his knowledge. That creates like a sense of agency for me, like that, that I can do something and I'm not only bound to be sitting down and reading about things, but I can actually go to a place and, and create change. This is not Michael's first time in Lützerath but he will stay for a couple of weeks this time and consider what contribution he might want to provide in the event of an violent eviction of the camp by the police. For me it was important to be here and to actually see, okay, uh, there is a struggle going on also in Germany where, where I was raised, where I was like socialized. Germany portrays itself as a climate leader, but it's still raising villages for coal mines. This is the name of an article by the Washington Post, published in October 2021. The author referred to Lützerath as an example of the slow and inconsistent implementation of the climate policies in Germany. The new German government of Social Democrats, Greens and Liberals agreed to preserve five nearby villages that were threatened with destruction. Lützerath is not among them. Therefore, politically, Lützerath cannot be saved. Kurds will decide on the fate of the village and thus of German climate policy. A lawsuit is pending before the higher administrative court in North Rhine-Westphalia concerning the early expropriation of Eckart Heukamp's property. Die aktuelle Situation ist ja, dass wir noch warten auf das Urteil vom Oberverwaltungsgericht. Currently, we are waiting for the decision on whether the early transfer of ownership is legal. If so, the rest of the village will belong to RWE and can be demolished. Says Ronnie, one of the spokespersons of the protest camp. If the decision is negative, we will stay on site to block the demolition with our bodies. As the decision is expected in the next weeks, Activists are already preparing for day X if an eviction takes place. In case of a positive verdict, the mining company RWE is expected to ask for an eviction immediately. If this happens, activists plan extensive blockades to set an example and delay the eviction. A long and complicated eviction will have the effect of letting the public know what is happening in Lützerath and increase pressure on politicians. We invite everyone to support us in this fight. If Eckhard Heukamp wins the lawsuit, a decision on its expropriation will be made in the main trial, expected to take place in a few years. Then. RWE would have to prove that expropriation for a coal-fired power generation is in the common good, even in the face of advancing climate change. Until now completely unknown, Lützerath has become almost as prominent as the nearby Hambach forest or the village of Gorleben for the anti-nuclear movement in the 1980s. The coming month will show whether the battle of David against Goliath will go the way of the legend, in other words, the activists win over a global energy company. It wouldn't be the first success of its kind. Back in 2020, similar protests stopped the deforestation of a forest nearby the Hambach mine. So we hear the documentary about Lützerath. After the song we will discuss a bit more about it. 
Still our song. Oh, nice. I'll leave it on, leave it on for a bit. <laughs> okay, um, this is uh, the song Pelota, and uh, the interpreted I really can't spell, so I won't try. Um, yeah, we back. We just uh, heard the documentary about Lützerath, and uh, since we have a guest from um, from Netherlands here, um, they attended the Sterrenbosch protest. Uh, we would like to connect this a little bit to your protest and more a global stage. Can somebody say about that? What were There's your so much you can talk about. Um, like, uh, we, were just, we were just discussing like what we would bring up um, and I think a huge aspect of it is this sort of like um, die-hard kind of economic system that we have that makes it so that, you know, you have to, um, you have to excel and then Uh, like the measure of your like how well you excel is kind of how much money you earn to a certain extent and then that gets translated into like how much stuff you have and how much stuff you buy um, uh, and like it's like status and economics and also climate destruction and like a lot of stuff being tied into one single issue I think mm. Yeah, that's, that's a huge uh, aspect, to be honest. Um, yeah. I also came across this a lot in Lützerath. Um, that, uh, yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot of political stuff going on with it. Yeah. And uh, it's not, not just about the, the actual blockade or the thing to block the specific coal mine or specific yeah. uh, forest. It's much more broader. Yeah, so we discussed also a little bit about why it's necessary to do uh, direct actions and yes. illegal actions. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the points was that um, VDL tried to prom um, communicate that they were intending to build a car factory for sustainable cars. And why we still need to resist mm -hmm. this, because once you look into the topic of climate change in detail, then you should understand that it's not possible to get to the place where we need to be, so zero emissions by 2050, which is not very likely. Mm. But just to reduce emissions as much as possible, we cannot continue to grow the economy the way we're doing right now and just rely on technologies such as solar panels and wind farms to provide all the energy we need for um, the, the economic growth. I heard the uh, European um, ministers say the other day that they expect uh, the European economy to grow, to double in size by 2050. Um, air travel, for example, is going to double between now and 2050, and it's just not possible to support mm -hmm. this under the current system. So we have to reduce our consumption to the levels that uh, it is in other parts mm -hmm. of the world, and we need to do it quickly. And that's why we need to resist as much as we can Yeah. Uh, the cutting of forests, the expansion of factories, coal mines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kato, you want to add something? Yeah, about this, uh, this whole consumerism stuff. I mean, um, 
you again see that that also the government in the Netherlands with this situation uh, is also like uh, supporting electrical cars, supporting um, more these uh, bigger companies and um, not supporting the people who who are protecting the forest. They actually have more people protecting the forest from activists than protecting uh, its own nature, even though they actually said uh, in their accords, sorry, I don't know the translation, um, that they didn't want to cut forests anymore, but they still do if there is uh, money on the table, Mm. um, which is, is really, really sad, even though a lot of people stood up for this. Um, and I actually had hope, like, okay, if we are with enough of, n- a lo- enough of people uh, and we have enough of attention uh, in the media in the Netherlands, um, then they cannot stop us. But again, um, we saw, which we see a thousand times, a million times, that uh, if it is a billionaire on the top, that it still has the power to just buy uh, a forest and cut it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, we, we see that this, uh, maybe this protest or this blockade was not successful. But the reason, or the, we see that we talk about it here, shows us the reason why they, w- they were still successful, because it uh, creates publicity, uh, people hear about it, people talk about it. And um, on the other hand, we also had successful protests, uh, as we just heard, um, in uh, Hamba Forest. So mm-hmm. there's also possibility to get it um, done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so like, well, there's a, there's. Uh, I mean, like Hambach Forest is slowly dying. Um, is the verdict? Um, just to keep the water, the groundwater, out of the mine, they have to drain uh, so much of the groundwater that the forest just can't take it really. Um, and what's left when you, at the end of the day, um, is a dry forest and a bunch of crust bunks. Um, and the, the bunch of crust bunks and, you know, a few cute animals, you know, that's, that's kind of, I'm not really in it for the success. I'm kind of in it for that aspect. Yeah, I do have to say, I mean, of course, we learned a lot also as a community, uh, from climate activists from this action. And I think, uh whenever there is a forest that needs to be protected in the Netherlands, we are stronger the next time. Uh, so I still have hope also with this reaching out that there are more people getting involved and help us um, so that we can prove there can be a success story uh, that when people stand up, um, they can overcome this power of money. Mm-hmm. Yes, and for me, the success part is reaching out to people and trying to make them understand why mm. um, Yeah, why forests need to to be protected and why we need to reduce consumption because just having these actions it's great if you can protect the forest in the end if you win the the action or if you lose but without a larger systemic change in people's attitudes and understanding I don't think uh, it's sustainable to keep approaching it like this we need to really um, yeah, it needs to become the, the mainstream position that we must stop destroying nature and we must stop, we must resist mm. uh, the expansion of uh, industry and capitalist enterprise. Yeah. And that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Like, yeah, it's... I think also yeah. the, all the 
factories or all the big companies are warned now you cannot just safely uh, or without people noticing cut a, cutting a forest it's also a threat mm-hmm. but I, I I mean I, I do get a little bit frustrated when people say that oh, like now people know or like now now, now people like now the companies know um, like resistance has been ongoing since capitalism has existed since feudalism has existed since exploitation has existed um, like you, you look at the enclosure movement in, in Great Britain um, and you see how uh, the lords like um, and the and the the royal family had to sort of unite despite being on opposite sides just to stop the like farmers revolts against this appropriation of uh, communal lands um, that's a really insular talk about topic that I don't really have the time to get into yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, this this isn't this isn't a one-time thing for me um, I, it's not over just because uh, stable boss has got down or whatever um, yeah and I do find friends and I do find community and that's what's important for me mm-hmm. has there been any connection to other protests in maybe Germany since we've heard they're yeah pretty much doing it since a long time and um, also with a lot of publicity so Does anyone want to give us a short brief about that? I mean, there were some people from the Netherlands, uh, like here uh, in the sort of area, I didn't actually meet them myself, um, came and like drove their car 40 minutes to Litzerath, um and sort of sat down and had dinner with us and were like, hey, so who wants to come and protect this forest? Um, and that was really nice. Uh, so like eight of us, I think, seven or eight of us uh, ended up going, um, ended up coming here. Uh, to Maastricht and helping out. Yeah, um, also in, within the organization we also reached out to people from Germany because there it happens just way, way more than mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. Uh, so we asked for their experience to help us with their knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for us in Maastricht it's been great because we have s- several climate organizations based in the city but we, there has it's been quite difficult to organize direct action. And now we have some contacts. I was also very surprised at the am- amount of people that also joined the action. So when, when it's available, when there is some direction and some support, people want to do this. And, th- and that was great to find out. And hopefully in the future, we, we have some, some good connections now so we can, yeah, if, if the n- it necessity comes that we have to do this again, that we know who to reach out to. Hopefully not, but... Uh, well, yeah. it's, we will. There yeah, obviously we there are definitely. a lot of forests still in the Netherlands <laughs> yeah. being threatened. And a lot to of billionaires who feel like they can do whatever they like. And it's not just forests as well, that's a very yeah. important aspect, yeah. but there's all sorts of other things like resisting uh, new build, and there's a lot of uh, uh, very environmentally damaging stuff going on right yeah. now. Okay, cool, cool. And it's like new age and green and whatever, but it's not really... So what would you think, uh, what, what could you tell people who want to join or want to do something, you know? It doesn't mean they have to do it with you or with that. So what can you do? Can you have any tips? I think Network. first, uh, um, well, for me, it was first I needed to see what I uh, needed because I was just so frustrated uh, with how it was going. Um, and... Mm. Yeah, for me it was to uh, actually be on the streets and scream, uh, almost literally. Yeah. Um, but for other people it could be something totally different. Maybe 
to uh, start uh, composting. I don't know. Um, so for everyone, there is another way they can, um, yeah, deal with with these problems. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stop consuming stuff that we don't need that is not completely necessary, which is a lot for most. And then if for this kind of thing, I think it's really important that you make connections. So in Maastricht. Mm-hmm. Um, approach you can approach mastery for climate climate action network extinction rebellion uh, food bank at the lamb bubbling there are a lot of people there that are, are interested in this so you need to first make these connections and um, realize that you're not alone there are a lot of people actually that have um, a lot of concerns about this but maybe they just don't mm-hmm. know where to direct their energy but we're they are out there yeah yes yes I think after this uh, after this hour uh, more people will know and uh, see that you're not alone. Thank you guys so much that you've been here. Uh, this hour was uh, passed, uh, passed easily and very fast. So thank you so much that you have been here. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. And talk to us. Let's listen to another song. Thank you so much, everybody out there, uh, there as well. Um, and hope to hear you next week at 6 p.m. <laughs> Yeah.